0: love
1: that! Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Parma Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call one 858
2: 858 Hello and welcome to episode 422 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP.
1: And join me as always is the Glorious League Freak. You can also find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew. I'm really looking forward to this podcast because we've got a lot to talk about that is very controversial. It feels like in the last 24 hours, the NRL has just gone off like a firecracker. um, To the point where you actually wrote an amazing article that got posted on LeagueFreak.com called Epic Fail, which I was very, very happy to host. You always write really good articles, and it's awesome to host them on on my website. Yeah, people need to go over and check that out. It's a a look at sort of the lead-up as to how we
2: got to the point of what happened in the Cowboys-Tigers game. And as I often do, as is my style, I don't just sit there and bitch and moan. I offer solutions at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've chucked that in there as well. Um, And, yes, it was written about half an hour after the game was finished. And surprisingly, given the amount of drama that went on, not a single swear word in there. Um mm. which is which impressed me more than anything else.
1: Yeah, when you told me there was no swearing, you know, I considered not posting it on my website. It didn't fit the theme of my website. But I thought I'll make an exception this time.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's one of those cases, you know, sometimes you put swear words in for an emphasis of um emphasizing emotion. Yeah. I thought I thought by not using swear words was sort of going to emphasise it even stronger in this instance because people would probably expect the swearing. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I sort mean, of, when I look back on it, it looks a little bit more
1: um, aggressive without it there. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I, I've done that before, where you 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 feel as though what you're talking about is too important. To, to go down that pathway because it's a, a very different style of writing. Um, mm. and, and yeah, it's, it's, uh it's interesting when you can get to that point with your writing that you can, uh, you can change it to fit a certain situation. And I, 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 I know what you mean Yeah, Sometimes you write something and you're like, no, I don't want this to come across as so emotional that I, I couldn't help swear in the article. I want to really show people that I've thought through this and, and this is how I feel. Um, and then, yeah, and it, it did that. It did that. Yeah. That, that's kind of, yeah, it's got to have that impact and
2: also be crystal clear about my stance and also how frustrated this whole situation is.
1: Yeah. Um. So I guess we should probably get into it. What do you reckon? Okay. Let's do it. Now, Really unique situation here, okay? Because you're a West Tigers fan, you watched the game, you saw this live. I didn't watch the game, but I have seen what happened in from that last kickoff. Beyond that, so you've got the emotion of being a fan of the the team that lost, and having lived through the the prior game. I don't. So we're getting two kind of different perspectives here when we talk about this. So this will be really interesting. So take us through what happened um and, and what your thoughts were as it happened.
2: Alright, well I suppose to paint a bit of a picture here. The Tigers were up 16-6 at half time. Um their attack was starting to show um a little bit of promise. Like there was one try I mentioned on on Twitter where the Tigers actually had a decoy runner on the edge run through the line. And that causes the defense to stop moving, stop sliding, just for a second. But it was enough to allow Luke Brooks to throw a cutout pass to his winger, and his winger was in space and he scored. Um But those it's it's those little details, that tiny little stuff that they've not been doing. And you can see how important just that one runner going through the line. Holds the defense up, bang, try. It's that simple. And they hadn't been doing it. And it was something that Maguire spoke about, you know, getting those little one percenters right and doing things like that. And he'd seen trying to coach Brooks to do that, to hold the ball up and wait for those moments. Um, and he finally did it, sadly, without Maguire there. But uh, we started seeing little things starting to work, which was very promising. Um, the Cowboys came out in the second half. They scored back-to-back tries. Uh, actually no, I think they scored three they have scored three straight tries actually. And they took the lead. And then Valentine Holmes kicked a field goal to give them a one point lead. Was it one point lead? No, it was more than that. There was a seven point lead, that's right. Um, seven trying to dim that. No, five point lead. Um the Tigers then scored a try. I'm trying to figure out other fucking numbers here. Probably should have done some research. No, so the Cowboys had a three-point lead after Combs kicked the field goal, Mm -hmm. and then the Tigers scored a try with about 90 seconds left. Dewey took 89 seconds to have the shot at goal, which he missed. The Tigers were up 26-25, and there was one second left on the clock. Mm -hmm. That's legitimate what was going on. So we had the kickoff. And the Tigers in their own mind going, we just need to catch this thing and die with the ball in their hands. Game over, we win. The Cowboys kick off short. They kick to the right. It goes to um, Dane Laurie. He catches it. He, he does that stupid thing where they just hit the ground and wait for someone to touch him, and it's game over. Yep. That's basically what happened. Referee blows his whistle. And we think, that's it, Game over. Tigers won. About fucking time. And then... Chad Tanzan calls for a ref challenge mm-hmm. and the ref allows it and they challenge and they rule that the Tiger Centre, um, Kepoowa, has run an escort and knocked um, Kyle Felt out illegally yes. and they've awarded a penalty to um, the Cowboys and Holmes kicks a penalty goal and wins the game 27-26 for the Cowboys.
1: Okay, now it's interesting hearing you tell me the way that it played out. Because let me tell you the way that I saw it play out,
2: okay? Um, I'm, I'm going through, that's what the NRL has sort of played it out as. The way okay. I saw it was, okay. um, well, the way I feel, okay, is that you can't challenge a referee's decision when a referee hasn't made a decision. He blew his whistle to stop play. According to Annesley. Now I Lord don't Almighty. think he, I don't think he did. Well, Annesley said he. Um, <laughs> this is another drama. This is. He said he blew a short whistle. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no. It was Klein who said to the referee. Klein was in the bunker, and he said mm-hmm. to Butler, the referee, "You blew a short whistle, mm-hmm.
1: not a long whistle to signal full time." Went, what the fuck is this shit? Okay, now let me tell you what that is. Okay, because is this I legit? Told- now, when I say it to you, when I explain it to you, you'll be like, oh, yeah, okay. So the short whistle is the play is dead, right? So it'll we'll go, psst, all right, short whistle. Then the long whistle is psst, 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 psst. That's the end of the game. Right. Now, that makes sense, right? So he says, so the the short whistle is the ball is dead, okay? Mm-hmm. The long whistle would come after that. That's the end of the game okay he didn't throw he didn't blow the long whistle i didn't actually see him blow the short whistle but there was so much going on and i was looking at so many things that the referee was dealing with within the space of 5 seconds okay um so the short whistle and the long whistle is a thing and we see it all the time the thing is we just sort of it's it's something that we are so used to seeing, we don't even realise that it's an actual a rule. So, say a player knocks the ball on, it's psh, short whistle, right? Yeah. Then, it, I, if you you could blow the i I could give you a whistle right now. You could show me what the sound is of that whistle. Oh yeah, it, I, I I get all what you're saying. You get man. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, short whistle and long whistle is a thing. Yeah.
2: I just. The whole concept though of a captain's challenge is you challenge a referee's decision. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the referee hadn't made a decision, and yet a ref challenge was used. Now, Annesley said that's legit and fine. I think that's a bit of a gray area. It um, is. Yeah. And then Annesley went and said that the penalty shouldn't have been awarded in the first place. So the Tigers should have won. Especially you know, there's always these debates when it comes down to you know you can have a game-changing decision in the middle of a game somewhere, but the thing is, you don't know how another team's going to respond when they're trailing points, when they're chasing points, sorry, or when they've got the lead and whether, how much that impacts the way they play from then on in. You wouldn't know. But in this instance, there was no more play afterwards, so this actually did change the result of the game after full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, So if Question I've got more than anything else is we can we can actually overlook the whole rush challenge thing and all time mm-hmm. whatnot else. Um, if he says that that penalty should not have been awarded and it was awarded after time and that decided the game, why don't they just make that goal after the 80th minute
1: null, which would
2: revert the scoreline and that, that would fix everything.
1: Because if you start doing that, like the way that I would, I would look at that is, it, it, the NRL has said that there was a mistake in the game, right? And mistakes happen in every game. Yes. And if you start going back and, and changing results like that, it's a very slippery slope. And at the end of the day, it's a position where the football game did not go the Tigers' way. They had a they had a a decision that wasn't in their favour that the NRL has said was wrong. Um, and it's it's not great, but it's just one of those things. And if you get if we start having, I mean, would you like Graham Manersley to be in the decision making process where he goes back every Monday? and starts looking through and starts changing results. Like I know no, that's of course not, not what but I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm... I think the
2: thing that's what I was trying to get to before there is that there was going to be zero play after this. Mm-hmm. So there was no chance for any other change to the scoreline. It didn't matter what mood any team was in, what form they were in at that point of the match. Nothing else was happening at this point. But this penalty goal either gave the Tigers the win or the loss. Everyone was just standing around watching. Mm-hmm. And it's after the 80th minute. To me, if you're going to change results, and I'll say that, I'll also make this clear, I don't think the results should be changed. Yeah. Okay. Just, but, but theoretically... I'm, just, I'm, I'm throwing it up as an argument. Yeah. If they admit fault, mm-hmm. they admit that the referee got it wrong, that the penalty shouldn't have been awarded, and the goal should not have been you know, attempted and also got and that the Tigers should have won. Surely in this situation when there is, if you just take the goal off, right, Mm -hmm. and you give the Tigers the win that way, there's no grounds for the Cowboys to say, but we could have gone on and done this because you couldn't have. It was all over.
1: Okay. but, But here's the thing. And we go back to the short and long whistle. Until that long whistle is blown, the game is not over. So that he would have th- he would have blown the long whistle after the goal went through the posts, then the game is over, and that's one of the things about about most sports, but definitely rugby league, where it it's a cliche, but you play to the whistle, and I think that's where you would lose that argument. Oh, no, no, that, no I, I'm I'm fine with the whole whistle yeah. thing. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it's stupid. It's stupid and weird and all that sort of stuff. Short, yeah. long whistles, whatever. Okay. It's can more ta- the fact that there was not a referee's decision that was made
1: that a captain could challenge. Could challenge. Yeah. Okay. Let me. Can I talk you through what I saw happen? Yes. Yeah, sure. In a, in a, and I saw it almost in a bubble, which was is kind of interesting. Um, first of all, Valentine Holmes kicks it from an offside position. He was in front of the line when he he kicked it. I don't I saw a journalist post that um earlier today, so it was an illegal kickoff to start with, which is great. Oh the um, yeah, yeah. restart? Yeah. A restart. Yeah, from the restart. He you spoke you're not allowed to be in front of the line and he sort of curled back around the 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 line. Does that make sense? So that he got purchased. I, I would've I would have thought though that you have to be behind the line when the foot hits the ball. I, I because
2: Hitting, your, your foot hitting the ball is what hmm. starts the play. Starts the play, yeah.
0: Look, it could For be. Me it's kind
2: of like if you're chasing a ball and you're going down the sideline, you run outside the, the field play to it. get around the defense and then run back into the field of play, then regather the
1: ball. That's a layout. I would have thought this is the same sort of thing. Yeah, anyway. So I, was, I was fine with that. Yeah, okay. So let's go past that. So the, what I saw happen was the kick goes up, Uh, deeper kick than I think they probably wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. You see the West Tiger player come in from he starts on the sideline, he comes infield, he does run into felt, felt runs into him I think it was 50-50 to be honest with you. Um, Laurie gets the ball, kills the ball dead, play over I then see the referee saying I can't hear you, right? And Mm And he's got most of the both teams coming towards him yelling. Yeah, he keeps yeah. saying, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. He tries to get away from everyone because he's getting some instruction from the bunker. Yes. I don't know what that instruction was from the bunker. But it obviously wasn't everything's fine game over. Okay. So he's being told something from the bunker. Yeah. While that's happening, he has let's say twenty of the twenty six players like coming after him. He also has all of the Cowboys fans going off their heads. He also then has to consider that there could be a challenge to whatever is going on right now. And I've seen a thing where there's been some journalists saying the challenge come 21 seconds after the play and you're only allowed to do it 10 seconds after. Well, the referee spent 20 seconds trying to hear what the bunker was saying to him. Not one second was wasted in that. As soon as he heard what the bunker had said to him, it took maybe two or three seconds for the West Tiger player to say, yeah, I want to do a captain's challenge. Now, I understand. Uh, Cow- Cowboys player. Oh, Cowboys player, yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. Now, I, I understand that what is there to really challenge. I get that. Probably the wrong call by the referee. But my point is that the referee, in the space of five seconds, has to check with his touchies, has 20 footy players running at him, has about 15,000 Cowboys fans yelling at him. He all of a sudden is getting some instruction from the bunker that he can't quite hear, and he's trying to get away from everyone to get to so he can hear. And when he gets that information, whatever that information was, he immediately has the Cowboys captain saying, we want to challenge that. So he goes to the challenge, right? Right. Then, Ashley Klein, who's in the bunker, looks at the footage Now, I think that i I can see I can see a decision where you can say Kyle felt tried to milk the penalty." I can also see a decision where you could come to where you could say the West Tigers player ran across field and then straightened up." I can see a a a place where you can say the West Tigers player." Is trying to protect his man jumping for the ball, and he doesn't need to give a, a clear runway to the to the Cowboys player. I can also see where you can say the Cowboys player shouldn't have to deal with the West Tigers player running from the from the sideline into his line. So I feel like the ultimate decision that Ashley Klein made was a 50-50 call. And when it comes down to a 50-50 call, I can't sit here and say. Oh, that's a bloody disgrace because I think it was a 50-50 call. I really do. I think either way, it's going to be a 50-50 call. Now, let me say something else on top of that. The referees have to meet KPIs. That's they, You hear Annesley talking about this a lot, about the referee and KPIs. One of those has got to be like your calls in the game as a, as a bunker referee. Now, in that situation, if Ashley Klein had have said, because the football call there is, look, Cole Felt probably wasn't going to get to the ball, right? Mm-hmm. It, he looked like he took a bit of a dive. Like, Cole Felt's what? He's got to be like 98 kilos or something. And he got shot like he was one of those extras in a spaghetti western, you know? I think, I think
2: the thing that was weird about his dive was that it didn't go in the natural way that you would dive if you had a collision at that level. He just sort of shot a little it, bit backwards and sideways, whereas the other bloke sort of went diagonally forwards, as you would expect.
1: Yeah, he sold it. He sold yeah. it. At the very least, he sold it. Yeah. Um, now, when you look at that, if if Ashley Klein has said, look, he probably was not going to get there, uh, they had their chance to win this game, and they didn't do it, end of game, right? He's going to have Cowboys fans and Cowboys supporters and the coach and everyone saying... This was clearly an incident where there was an escort player. And as I said, because it's a 50-50 call, I think it would have been been just as controversial. I think any decision Ashley Klein made in that situation was going to be as controversial pretty much either way, right? Um, I think it's probably more controversial the way it played out just because a penalty to then change the score after that is kind of shocking to see. But I, I think that if the Cowboys, the Cowboys would have gone off if they had have had the decision go against them. So when you look at it from Ashley Klein's point of view, and it's these guys' careers, and people forget that sometimes. Does Ashley Klein want to explain himself and say, you know what? By the letter of the law, I probably could have given a penalty. right? On black and white, I could have given a penalty. But, you know, football situation, you probably wouldn't have got to the ball. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Graham. You're not going to throw me under the bus, are you? <laughs> you, do you see where I'm getting at? So, I know uh, what you're getting at. Yeah, so Ashley Klein is, an, an, or any video referee in that situation, it's not necessarily just Ashley Klein. And I don't think he's a good referee, by the way. So I'm not defending him because I'm a big fan of his. Ashley Klein is incentivized to give that penalty.
2: Well, we've seen that a lot this year is the escort thing um, more often than not will lead to a penalty, even if it's not legit.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's ones where you're like, oh, man, that's that's really harsh. But when it goes to the video ref, the video ref gives it the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the Um, other thing I want to bring up is the sensory overload the on-field referee was in at that time, and – the fact that it is clear from that situation that the on-field referee is not the man who is ultimately in control of the officiating of the game, which you and me have talked about since Mm -hmm. they got rid of the second video referee and they brought in the video – since they got rid of the second on-field referee and allowed the video referee to talk to the the on-field referee – He was in a no-win situation either. And the sensory overload is ridiculous that he had to deal with. I don't blame him for if he gave a captain's challenge when it probably wasn't appropriate at that moment because he was just dealing with everything at once. And I think that that situation we saw is the best indicator that rugby league, especially the NRL needs two referees on the field and that decisions should be made on the field and left on the field and that this captain's challenge system, rather than smoothing over some of the problems we, we supposedly had with officiating, has done nothing but cause more angst, more outcry, more controversy, and therefore is not doing the intended job that it was supposed to do, and it should be scrapped.
2: I fully agree.
1: Um,
2: on the – just go back to the, the actual collision between Felton and Kepo yep um, It's a bit different to a normal infield kick uh, – sorry, in-play kick, where yes. it's usually your, fa- your, your two opposing players are facing one another, so you get a rough idea where each other's line is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Kewa was defending on the wing, and as you said the the kick went probably went too high and a bit too deep, but it didn't go as far wide as Kepawa was, so he ran on a line initially very sharp in field, but felt wasn't near him at that time, mm. and then he ran straight back in a line directly towards Lurry. Yes. the ball yes, um, and felt ran wide of him, so he ran on the inside of him and hit him on the yeah, hit him on the wrong side of the shoulder. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like felt ran a different, a slightly different line because he ran wide and then ran towards
1: him a little bit. Now, I'm, I'm, look from a football point of view, you and me, we look at that and we both say, play on. That's pretty much what I'm getting now. I look at it and go, I
2: don't really care if if Felt's taken a dive or not. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if Kepua is a little bit in his line. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, neither of them were close to getting to where that ball was going to land up. And we all know that given the amount of time left on the clock, what was going to happen was Laurie was going to catch it and not do anything other than hold on to that ball, you know, with all of his fucking life mm-hmm. and just hit the ground. Mm-hmm. That's always going to happen. So, Felt was not going to get there. kepoa wasn't going to get there. If you also look on the footage too, there's another player standing in Felt's line, but probably another three or four metres in front of him after the collision with kepoa
1: happened. He would have had to run around that person as well if kepoa hadn't gotten his way. Yeah, and as I said, it is not imperative for the Cowboys players to make sure that their runway is clear for all of the cow for all of the Cowboys players to come through. The West Tigers players. They're allowed to exist between the Cowboys players yeah. and the player receiving the ball. Um, as I said, I can. I, I think you can make a. I think you can make a really good. F- I think the football argument for felt runs into the player game over. That's the football argument. By the current standards set by the NRL and the current rule book, I think you can make a really good argument the other way i really do believe it is a 50-50 call but as i said the incentivization for the video referee is not to go for the the common sense almost football decision it is to go by the letter of the law which is fine but we need to understand that the letter of the law in this case means that the west tigers get penalized I, look i don't think the west tigers player so, ran across field and thought I'm going to get in, in felt's way. I really don't well, no, think that. When was you look pass. at the footage, he he doesn't. I don't. I couldn't see any moment where he intentionally
2: took his eye off the ball to look yeah. where felt was. Yeah. And as I said, look, because it's a restart, every single player in the West Tigers are going to be either side on, so they can see what's to their left and what's to their right, mm-hmm. or they're going to have their backs to the halfway line, looking at you know watching for the ball to come into their peripheral vision. And then they're gonna head in that direction. But that's what most of them do. Like the wingers will start sideways. And as I said, the kickoff, they follow the ball. And that's what Kepwell has done. That's why he's turning circles, you know, pretty sharp to start with and then straightens up. Yeah. It's not like he's trying to get in anyone's line. He's following the ball. Yeah. Um, and for the same reason everybody else in the Tigers team, as you look at them all in there, there's only one or two that is actually looking at felt. The rest are all looking at the ball. Because their goal is to go down there and I can surround Laurie as quickly as possible.
1: And they do a really good player. job of that. Yeah. When you see it, like it, it, when you see it, really the only thing that stopped the only play that the only way that felt could have got to him was when that West Tigers play was there. That West Tigers play was there. The, that he maybe could have, I don't think he would have got there in terms of getting there when the ball gets there anyway, but the West Tigers had surrounded Dane Laurie, like in a circle already. Um, which they're entitled to do. They don't yeah. have to get out of the way of everyone. They just can't purposefully take somebody out as they're running through. Um, That's right. Look, and and the thing is with this whole situation, I think it's because it is such a a, a game defining decision, and it, like people from all sorts are upset about it. I think that the ten thousand foot view of it is going missing in that. There is obviously a problem with the um, how much input an on-field referees is getting, and this was just the clearest-cut um, moment I have ever seen that we need the two referees back on the field because two referees, I think, handle that on the field. This captain's challenge thing is absolutely ridiculous. It's slowing the game down. It's been used in just silly instances where you know you can challenge one call not get that challenge right but something else happened in the play that the referee saw so you kept your you keep your challenge and it's it's just a mess it's layers of messes that have been put on top of one another and it just all needs to be cleaned out we go back to two video refs no captain's challenge and look if it was up to me I would take the video referee right the way back to in-ground goal. Like, if it doesn't happen in goal, the video ref can't look at it, and the video ref does not talk to the referee during the game.
2: Yeah, I'd say, look, the bunker is a great concept. What it needs to be is something that is a piece of technology that is relied upon when the on-field refs ask for it. Mm Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be the other way around. The only reason why it's the other way around is because the current administration got rid of, as you said, they got rid of two refs and they thought the best way to compensate for that is to allow the bunker to intervene during the live game on matters other than try scoring. That was the problem. And then they brought in the captain's challenging, which just belittled and undermined the on-field referees. And more often than not, as as you were getting to, the clubs weren't even using it legitimately. They got to the point where they just went, we need a breather. Let's just challenge something with 10 minutes to go and all we'll have a rest. Mm-hmm. So even they weren't using it properly. Even they didn't care about it that much. It's a stupid idea. Yeah, we need two on-field rest back. They could have discussed it with each other on the field. They could have then asked the bunker if they needed to. Um, the whole thing's a mess, and it's all it's a bunch of rule changes that were brought in that didn't need to be brought in. They're only brought in because a bunch of fucking idiots in the mainstream media bitched and moaned about referees because that's all they ever did. And the reason why they did that is because it got clicks. That's it. They didn't know how to fix it. We've got this stupid system now. We need to get rid of it. None of it works. It's, none of it is an improvement. None of it needs to be kept. It is all atrocious. I've been opposed to it as of you since the fucking day they brought it in. And I never envisaged that those three issues with the officiating would all culminate and conspire to one another mm-hmm. to all fuck up at the same time and mm.
1: cost the team a victory.
0: But yeah, it has and,
1: somehow. Yeah, and it's uh look it was it was shocking to me to see the on-field referee Having to go, wait a minute! I'm give, I'm being instructed by somebody about a decision I should make. That's never been rugby league. It, 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 the The referee has always been the it's It's not like other sports where you've got a bunch of different officials and you know they can all make different calls and stuff like that. In rugby league, the referee had the final say. He was the one that had the whistle that blew full time. You know, it didn't come up to somebody else. So to see him trying to get away from everyone so he could get instructed on what to do next was shocking. Um, And the other thing is, too, like, we watch Rugby League for entertainment and to be happy watching it. And all this captain's challenge and get rid of the second referee and allowing the bunker to talk to the the referee and give him instruction and stuff – All that has done, even with the the way they review tries now, all it does is add anger and upset to the people that are watching the game and playing the game. That's not what sport is supposed to be about. If you've got these these layers of administrative shit that you've added to your rule book that just makes everyone unhappy Maybe you should get rid of them things because Rugby League survived a very long time without a video referee. And look, I can tell you, I called New South Wales Cup games just a couple of years ago before COVID when there, where there was no video referee. And you know what? Them games were fine. And you would sometimes watch and go, oh, what was that about? I don't understand what happened there. And I think he'd come up to with this decision. And life went on. The world kept on spinning. I actually saw a biting complaint without the video referee in a game I called and the people I was I was calling the game with they were like what's going on because somebody come on the field with a a camera I said it's because we don't have video footage so you know they're getting they're getting you know images of the alleged bite and you know this is what happens when you don't have a video referee and cameras around and everything was fine the game works fine without a video referee Sure, you're going to miss some calls and there might be a knock-on or something, you know, that gets missed. But the world keeps spinning. Games keep getting played. The vast majority of the time we end up with the best team or one of the best teams winning the grand final and life goes on. And I just think for all the angst that's been caused with all of these additions, I don't think they add to rugby league whatsoever. Now, TV people love them. Because number one, you're adding more ads to it. Number two, you're adding more breaks to it. Number three, you're extending the coverage. And number four, they love replays. They're camera people. They're video people. They're producers. They're, they love to be able to show off the replays, the great camera work. Look at this slow motion footage. So, of course, they love it. But people watching at home hate it.
2: Yeah. Um. Basically, the NRL referees have been turned into patsies more than anything else.
1: Yeah, and I feel so sorry for them. And we've said this since they got rid of the second referee. Like these poor guys are chasing their own tail every every Monday. Their boss like publicly throws them under the bus, and then we all wonder why they they're worried about making decisions and that they're jumping at shadows
0: because this is the environment that their workplace is. Yeah it's uh, and
2: it's it, it's just it, it's it was a messy a whole messy process,
1: yeah, yeah, it really was, and it, as you said it all everything culminated in that one second of gameplay, and I think it really revealed the soul of all those issues that you brought up in your article, and I think that it showed that. There's a whole lot of stuff that needs to be removed that Graham Annesley and his team has added to the game. And I think Graham Annesley should stand down. I don't think we've ever seen referees under more pressure than we have under Graham Annesley. As a former referee, he should be ashamed of himself. The job he has done has been very
0: poor. And I think it's time for him to go. Long overdue. Yeah. Long overdue. Um,
2: He's promised Tim Sheens, um, the West Tigers head of football, that he will be doing a full review of the entire incident. Hey, why? Why bother? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, as we all know, the result is not going to get changed. Why, what's to? Re, why, why bother reviewing it? Yeah. Furthermore, I, I did find this amusing. Um, Chairman Lee and his pet potato have said they were going to take legal action or some sort of crap. Well, look at their legal options. I mean, you're not going to get anywhere, you clowns.
1: I think I've, I've said on the podcast before my thoughts on supposed legal action in sport is that it doesn't exist until you're in a courtroom because so many people say, I'm going I'm to go to court over this, and like 99% of them don't, and I don't expect the West Tigers will either.
0: Of course
1: not.
2: Do you know, Chairman Lee's a isn't he a lawyer or something like that? Brian's lawyer's principal or whatever.
1: I'm not I'm not sure. I had somebody Sorry. actually uh message me in a DM. I had somebody message me in a DM, it was Sean, and he said uh the West Tigers are probably really happy with what the board and the CEO are probably pretty happy with how, what happened because it takes focus off them. And I think that that had a lot to do with the, the strong way they come out after this game. And look, they I think any, any board and, and CEO would have come out in a strong way, but I think that uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the West Tigers carried this on a little bit longer than most clubs would have because it does take pressure off of those those lot. I
2: think this thing will be, it'll be gone by the end of next weekend. You reckon? Yeah. I, look, oh, I gonna, so. What are they going to do? I mean, if the Tigers were sitting in ninth position <laughs> um, and they were two points shy of the eight and it was the final round and they needed this to get into the finals, maybe they'd do
1: something about it. But they're sitting last. You know, this is not going to change this season. I actually saw one of the West Tigers board members and I can't remember which guy it was. But he said... Um he was talking about this, this game and the the two points and how it has implications for the um the wooden spoon race. And he said, We're a proud club. We haven't won a wooden spoon in twenty two years. <laughs> and all I could think of was like, dude, half of those years you haven't been in the finals. Like, <laughs> let's not talk about like the proud traditions of not winning the wooden spoon. It's like you've been crap the whole time.
2: We've been very, very lucky to avoid it.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and long overdue for
0: it. Yeah.
2: Long overdue for it. It's probably the best thing that could happen to the club because I'll go. You know what? Maybe we need to change some things. <sighs> anyway, that gets me on another tangent that I've already covered time and time again. Um. See, so yeah, it was a pretty crazy, hectic moment there. The other thing that was interesting, I remember just hearing, um. Chad Townsend in the presser afterwards saying that he saw he saw the player was taken out or saw the escort thing, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and he's immediately calling for the uh, for the referee, uh, the captain's challenge. And when I look back at the replay, he doesn't he doesn't look like he notices it or pays any attention to it until after Laurie catches the ball. And just before Laurie catches the ball, one of the Tigers players just standing around there happens to be in Townsend's way. He doesn't get in his line, but Townsend's trying to run around him and he can't get around him in time to get to the ball. And he's probably the closest to getting to Laurie. Mm-hmm. And it looked like Townsend might have initially been complaining that he was the one obstructed.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And he looks around and he sees felt on the ground and then, starts, then he starts ramping up the complaint. And I thought. I wonder what he was actually complaining about Did you be spit anyway? Um, but that that's pretty much that. Um, the only other game I saw which uh, was in, interesting to me was the Panthers Sharks game. yeah, that was that was it's, really interesting. Um, well, I'm thinking back to my prediction for the game as well, and it kind of followed it where mm-hmm. the Panthers were especially in that first half they were confused by that Sharks attack. They didn't know what to make of it. And the defense sort of was a little apprehensive to start with on how to defend against them. Mm -hmm. But when they come out in the second half, they went, okay, what we're going to do is get on the front foot and rush them in defense and get them back to playing our style of football. Because I think that's what happened is the Sharks were playing their type of football in the first half. And Penrith's defense were caught off guard, and they kind of allowed that to happen to to some degree, mm-hmm. um, to their credit, and the good teams do this. They were able to get themselves back into the game. But, um, yeah, I, I remember saying in the preview that the Sharks have that awkward attack that just teams don't quite know how to figure it out because it just comes at you from so many different angles with – there's no – there's nothing that's a set play that they do religiously all the time to try and score points. They just throw weird things at you from different angles and stuff and lots of good decoy runners and um, very interesting um, game to watch. Uh, Pedra's yeah. fitness and their defense in that second half, that was what decided the game more than anything else.
1: Yeah, there were are, are, – I was actually – in the second half of that game, I was thinking about how a lot of great teams – there's always a certain style of play that they maybe have problems defending against. And like we've seen it with the storm at times and they had problems defending against, weirdly enough, the New Zealand Warriors and how they played the game for a while. And then going back to, say, the the late 90s, the I remember Brian Smith, when he was coaching Parramatta, there was a, a very famous game where they, when they would play the Broncos – they would slow everything down. They would kick to touch every single time they could. They just did everything slower with the idea that the Broncos wanted to play up up tempo to sort of suit their style of play. And to a certain extent, it worked for the Paramount Eels over the Broncos. And the, the Broncos would have problems with the Eels. And I was thinking about those sorts of teams in, in terms of like that first half is you, you're right. the The Sharks, their style was kind of, making some inroads against the Panthers and the Panthers defense was having to adjust and stuff like that then the Panthers come out in the second half and just it was like the the door was shut and they were like they were completely comfortable against the Sharks in that second half and it made me think about the adaptability of their defense when i talk about the Panthers and how great they are their attack is, can be so so at times you know i think a lot of the points they score comes from the fact that an opposition team is so worn out by running into a brick wall. And you've got to be at a Panthers game to realize that the 75th minute, the Panthers defense is blasting you, you know, and they're normally blasting you while you're trying to get out of your own end. And they blast you for 80 minutes and you just get to a point in the game where you're physically busted. I don't know how the Panthers can do that for 80 minutes. But they are so far and away the best defensive team I've ever seen in the NRL in my entire lifetime.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Their
2: their fitness defensively does not drop off for the full 80 minutes. Mm. And that's the thing. Cleary's trained and coached them to be a defense-first team. Mm. And I'm amazed at how long it took a lot of people, especially in the media, not all of them. A lot of them still haven't figured it out yet. But that's what the Panthers are. They're a defense-based team, not an attacking team. No. Um, that's because Cleary understands that it's it's easier to score enough points to win if you keep your opposition to fuck all points. Mm-hmm. So that's what he works with. And you come up against a team that's their attack's not quite on on song, and your defense is able to shut them down. Easily and keep them quiet the whole game Then your players who are doing All that good defensive work still have plenty of energy And attack and that's when they rack up the big scores
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, But more often than not They score 20 points and I mean They know if they score 20 points which is Basically three tries More than anything else because is that good a goal kicker 18-20 um, points is going to win them a game You know nearly every time mm-hmm. That's That's a good situation to be in you get someone like the Tigers who can score 26 points and still lose. Mm. Um, and I'm not just talking about the game that was played against the Cowboys. It's happened a lot in mm-hmm. their last 10, 11 years. They'll score 26, 28 points and lose games. The Titans are another one that does the same thing. Um, you know, historically, if you get to 19 points in a game, you're a 50% chance of winning that game. That's what you need to get. That's your magic number is 19. Mm-hmm. And so for a team to be able to get past that and still lose shows you how poor they are. And for a team to get under that mark and still win shows you how great they are. Um, the Sharks in 2016 were the only other team I've come across. They weren't as good as this current Panther side, mm-hmm. but they were a defense-based team that could win by scoring low scores. Yeah. So they weren't... Other than when they smashed the Knights 64 0 or 62 0 or whatever it was, nearly all of their games were 18 10, that sort of thing. Um, they'd score 20s and stuff like that in the odd 30, but um, a lot of their score lines, even for the years before and after, were in the teens, and they were still getting those wins. Um, the Panthers are doing that, but their defence is so much better than what the, all those teams had in the past. Uh,
1: they're just. They're just freakish. i it, freakish. It's it's weird. To, I, I find it really weird to see, especially when like they will drop players that are, are legit first graders and bring in guys, and then when they go to their bench rotation, there is zero drop off. Yeah. And, and like you you can get a guy like Fisher Harris, who's the best, I think is the best prop for, prop in the game, right? Take right, yeah, him off yeah. the take him off the off the field. And you put on a guy who is, like, really, really, really good and would start in most teams. So their depth is crazy. Their defense is the best I've ever seen. Cleary is like the – if you could make uh, Nathan Cleary in a lab to be the halfback of this team, you would still come out with Nathan Cleary, you know, even down to, oh, yeah, let's make him the coach's son as well, you know. (laughs) <laughs> so he he doesn't want to leave <laughs> uh oh and let's make him take a little bit of a discount to stay until he's 28 at least like it's it's absolutely insane to w- just watch it from afar and yeah. for it to be m- the team that i support it i just uh, i just can't believe it and i'm watching them against the sharks and like even when the sharks were making some inroads and doing some things that they had the panthers under the pump, and I'm at the and I tweeted about this. I'm at the point now where I'm like I like seeing the Panthers challenged in these sorts of games because i'm I'm thinking like three or four down da- years down the track when these players will be in their prime, all of this experience will be good for them, and yet we're getting the results of what you would expect down the track now and like you were saying to me, what was it that it, over the last couple, like two or three years they've lost seven games all up? Yeah, something like six
2: six losses in the last sixty eight games or something. I think it is.
1: Yeah, like it, that is where you're starting to have to look through the history books and that, look. If that's they...
2: a, that's around the mark of those dragons teams in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, um, I'm not exaggerating. That's literally where it's at.
1: Yeah, and look if they none of that matters if you don't win the premierships as well. And they're never going to win 10 premierships in a row. Nine, no. nine, you know, maybe eight, definitely. But, um, the, just the fact that they're doing this in the modern era, it's like, this is what happens when everything is in place and everything is humming along for long for the club where it's the juniors. It's, the first grade teams going well. The coaches are comfortable. the The players like each other. Like if it's like we're seeing the perfect scenario play out here, it's crazy.
0: It's so crazy. It is. It's. It, you don't get too many of these teams. I think the last one we saw that
2: was close to this was that Manly side in ninety four ninety five.
1: Yeah that 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 was the best defensive team I had seen until this Panthers side, definitely. Yeah. And that team was, I mean, that team was amazing. They should have won more titles. Absolutely, but it just shows how hard it is to do. Yeah, yeah. And look, they were also beaten in some, like, the teams that would beat them would did magic, <laughs> you know. Yeah. They, they They were beaten by magic moments um and still managed to get a premiership themselves so yeah
2: i mean they they've played in their fair share of grand finals but time me get one title in that period crazy they know. should
1: have they should have at least got two yeah um, but then you you look at it and you're like well you know which ones should they've won you know, it's it's interesting it's like when you look at the 94 raiders they should have won more than the one title. Yeah. They that team was amazing. Yeah. I I felt like that was the best team I'd ever seen until some of the storm sides that ended up being over the cap. Um I find it hard to put this Panthers team in those same categories because I think that this Panthers team is it's more of the overall unit rather than Um, superstar individuals, but their results are destroying those teams. It's really weird.
2: Yeah, they're they're definitely one of a kind. There's no doubt about that. Um,
1: What else has been going on? Something happened at Manly. Yeah, well, okay. So the Manly (laughs) Seagulls, they are going to wear what i I think is called a gay pride jersey this weekend. It is basically the normal manly jersey but there are a couple of strips that are the rainbow like gay pride flag on them. Um they did a big announcement about it. Uh, <laughs> they did a big announcement about it and they had a, a couple of players like do a video thing. I think it was three different players did a video showing off the, the Jersey that they were going to wear on the weekend. And basically it's come out that there were some players within the men's the club that weren't comfortable wearing that Jersey. There were seven of the players and those seven players have withdrawn from the upcoming game in which they will wear that Jersey. It's, yeah. it's a situation where, Uh, The club has tried to make a move that is good for inclusivity within sport and therefore the wider community. And is it weird for me to say that this has all worked out just fine in that Manly will still wear the jersey, the message will still be put out there, the players that don't want to participate for their personal reasons, whatever they are, are quietly choosing to stand away while that happens
0: and but everything will continue to happen um, i guess i i don't i just i don't understand why other players just. Worry so much about it. It's not like no one's telling them that they have to be gay. You know, I,
2: I I don't understand why they're so bent out of shape over it. It's it's I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't, I just think it's a it's a lot of carry on that's just unnecessary. Just play the game of footy. You, you don't. No one's out there saying that you have to get there and start saying um anything. Mm-hmm. about gay people or, or pride or anything like that. You don't have to say a single word. You just wear the jumper, play the game of footy, and move on with your life. And because if you don't play, especially in a round like this, of course the is going to come out and say, Oh, well, how come these players are all fit but aren't playing this week? And they're going to start digging, and they're going to find mm-hmm. something, they're going to turn it into some negative oh, campaign. And they're going to make red. it something that's – yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and – the thing They're is going to make that... it a negative thing about these players. I mean, yeah. everyone's allowed to have a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. They've, from what I can tell, I could be wrong, but from what I can tell, these people haven't come come out and said anything at all about this other than, you know, it's not part of their religious beliefs, which is understandable. Um, and that's largely the reason why they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um they're not being anything nasty or
0: aggressive. It's not like are all for our situation. You know, it's... But they're going to be made out to be bad people
2: for it instead of having their opinions and their views
0: respected even if
2: people don't agree with it. Yeah. Um, they've not done anything horrible. They haven't done anything bad to any groups of people. It just seems unfortunate that a really good um, concept by Manly and I'm not surprised it was Manly first They had you know Ian Roberts as a player for a long time there absolute, absolute um, wrecking ball of a player one of my favourite players as a kid mm-hmm. um, you know he was the first I believe the first Australian rugby league player who was you know, had, you know revealed that he was gay Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not surprised that Manly came out and, and did this because it, it fits in with, um, you know, their past in that regard. Um, and the jumper is it's subtle. They've just removed the white strip and they've just replaced it with the rainbow one. It still looks pretty good. It's still almost entirely maroon.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think it's a it's a really good looking jumper. I think it it does it all in exactly the right way. It's not over the top. It's not anything crazy. They're not making any, you know, big ways of being controversial in any way. I think the whole thing that Manly's been doing about it all has been very professional, very good. It all perfectly fine. But the media are going to focus on these seven players, and they're going to make them out to be bad people for it. That's the bit I don't like. Um, yeah. Especially if, I mean, if they've said something negative about. Um, homosexual people or anything like that or if they've been nasty in any sort of way then that's different but from what I've seen so far I've not heard that any of them have said a single word about it other than it's not part of their beliefs and fine, they've kept it at that, they've not attacked anyone or done anything nasty so I don't know
1: I, Look, I, I agree Andrew and I I would say that um you know, quietly stepping away from this event If the event will still go ahead, the message will still be put out there. These players themselves as individuals have just chosen not to be part of that. And, you know, you have to respect that decision on their behalf as well. You know, we can't aim for inclusivity. And then when somebody is different from us and has a different thought process than us, we attack them. And we we try to destroy them. Yeah. You know, that's not a good thing. Um you know, it's it is a real shame that there's this moment of positivity that the men and the club have tried to create and it's gone in this direction. I just hope that on game day uh the, the the event is un unchallenged you know, yeah. by by what these seven players have have chosen to do. Now, I've also seen people saying that these players are hypocrites because they wear uh, gambling sponsors and things like that on their jersey. And I, I just think that they're completely different um, situations and, and subjects. I, I don't really follow that line of thinking. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, part of me feels as though this show's what the inclusivity message is in the terms of like, yeah, we're doing this though. And we're not going to not do this. And if you don't want to be part of it, don't be part of it. But Hey, we're wearing this Jersey on the weekend and we're going to, you know, show this message to people within the community. And if you're not there, we'll still be out there doing this. And, um, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I don't know if that's the right way to look at it or not.
2: I think so long as so long as no one's doing anything that offends anyone mm. or um, disrespects anyone mm-hmm. or what they do, I'm 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 fine with it. You know, if it's a res, you know respectful thing that they're you know what they're doing in a respectful manner and not being, as I said, like, nasty about it, mm. then I I can't see why there should be a problem. We can't all think and have the same beliefs. That would be stupid, impossible, and boring.
1: Very boring, yeah. It so, made me think about the, you, you know, when, because I, I watched a Super League game not, not that long ago, and they're still, like, kneeling for the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, it seems to be a very british thing because I noticed
2: that they were still doing it in the Formula One. And the weird thing is not all of the drivers do the kneel thing and it's not because they're against what the kneeling represents. Mm. It's because they some of them I remember hearing one I can't remember which one it was said something along the lines of I think that it's wrong that I you know as a white person mm. kneel when it's something that I think is a predominantly a symbol for, you know, the black people and what they do to make a symbol for them. I think it would be a bit weird if a white person went down and did that. Mm. So they're not – they're actually trying to show their support but not trying to take away from the message or the the imagery of it all. Yeah. It's weird. It's a it's a complicated ground, I guess. But no one's made a single hoo-ha about the, the drivers who don't kneel. It's just accepted and they all just move on, which – I mean, that just seems fine. They've not said anything nasty about anyone. There's not a racist thing that comes out of any of their mouths. Mm. They're all very, very inclusive. Um, So it just seems accepted that, you know, people that have a difference of opinion, we all move on
1: as it should be. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, I find it interesting because um, when I saw it happen, I was like, what have I missed? You know, something happened. I, I like they're kneeling like it's the Black Lives oh, Matter thing, but that was, you know, that was a long time ago, and it was a different country. And as you say, it seems to be a British thing. I, I don't really understand why Britain picked up on it so heavily, but they did. And, um, I, I, I think that I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes with, there's definitely sometimes in sport where you see. Um, a message going out and you wonder if it is the appropriate place for it and then other times you feel like it's the right place and the right time for it And um, it it brings up the question of when is it right and when isn't it right and when have we had our say and you know not that it's time to move on but um, we've had our say on this issue and it brings up a lot of questions that I don't have answers for. Like, I don't know what the answer is for for that sort of stuff, but I I think that it's important that we do feel as though there is the room to talk about that stuff. And because we don't want to get to a place where, you know, if if somebody feels strongly against a message that's been put out there or they don't feel like it aligns with their personal beliefs and things like that that we don't demonize them immediately because that that's kind of going against the inclusive message as well it's a weird one it's a really weird one
2: yeah it's it is a bit crazy how how it's all sort of come about so it's I hope that uh, – I hope the media don't go nuts and turn this into a whole story about the players who aren't going to play because mm. that would be disrespectful by the media and nobody else.
1: Look, I hope when the game is played that it's like um, – I believe Ian Roberts is going to be there. Um, and, I you know, I think it's – hopefully it's a really – a cool moment for him and the club and um, – you know, that anybody that attends the, the, I guess the events or the ceremonies that are surrounding that, um, but I, if if I I hope it it can keep that positive thing about it, and that it doesn't just as you say just be turned into a negative and a a witch hunt um and all that sort of stuff because it's it's not what mainly were aiming for. <laughs> no, that's right. It's exactly right. Um,
2: now, another piece of news that came out today, it's been sort of hidden by the Tigers drama and this thing at Manly, mm-hmm. is that, um, Kevin Proctor's been released by the Titans.
1: Yeah, I believe it was for being seen to be vaping in the change rooms after the game. <laughs> now, did you know that? No, I didn't. I, that's I, what I... said that, that
2: um... He he breached some um, club and stadium regulations or something like that. Um, mm. If it's vaping, I I laugh because he hasn't been playing for quite a while in the NRL side, despite the team going absolutely dog shit and him being fully fit because he's been constantly named on the extended bench and not playing. It seems like they've gone, oh, we finally got something to get rid of him with. It does,
1: doesn't it? Um now, you and me don't smoke. No. Never smoked. I have tried a vape. I know somebody that bought one, and that they and I said, when they were opening it, I, I said, can I use it first and see what it's like? And it was really weird. First of all, the vape I tried had nothing in it. It was just the, the water vapor, because that's like literally what you breathe out is water vapor. That's why it's called mm. a vape. And it was really weird, so I I sucked the thing in, and I went to say, I don't think it's working. And when I did, all of this vapor comes out of my mouth. It was like a big cloud of smoke, <laughs> and it was it was kind of cool. I was like, oh, look at this, like you know. And tried it, and uh, but my, the one that I tried, it it didn't have anything to burn in it. Now, um, it's illegal to use. Uh, it's illegal, I believe, now to buy a vape in a smokes in a smoking um, tobacconist that has nicotine in it. But you can buy vapes that have nicotine in it at the pharmacy. So it's possible that he was smoking uh, a vape that had nicotine in it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you can put. Uh, like other stuff into it that it just has a taste to the vape that is, that there's no um, there's no chemical reaction, I guess. There's there's nothing to it, and there's other stuff you can get in vapes. I don't know much about that sort of thing. I'm not a smoker and I don't take drugs, right? But Kevin Proctor was blowing out like water vapor, oh. and it's. It's weird that he would get sacked for blowing out water vapor.
2: Even if it was doing you know, smoking stuff like that, you know, or vaping. Um it just seems excessive to be sacked because of that. Yeah. Um like I'd probably imagine that if he had been if that had been any other player on that side who's a regular first grade player, he would have copped a fine, mm-hmm. which seems leg- legitimately okay and acceptable like that that's what you deserve um it just seems like the this was a the club saw this as a reason or as a way out of his contract and that's yeah. what they've done
1: yeah because I can see where Kevin Proctor if he is big on vaping and he understands the rules and laws and stuff around vaping and, so, and you know some of the rules and laws are kind of different to smoking you know um If he's, like, vaping, you know, wherever, he's vaping at home, he's vaping inside because it doesn't have the smoky smell and stuff. And he's at the stadium and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll vape, you know, here as well. Then he gets sacked. Like, and I would guess that he would lose, uh, you know, even at this point of the season, hundreds of thousands of dollars.
0: Yeah. That seems a bit weird. It's pretty Um,
2: fun, There's been a few NRL player movements over to England. Mm -hmm. Um, The Sydney Roosters have freed up probably three or four million dollars in their salary cap because Kevin Nguama's going to Huddersfield and Lachlan Lamb's going to Lee.
1: Oh, Lachlan Lamb's leaving. You know, Kevin Nguama going has upset a lot of St. Helens fans, weirdly. Really? Yeah, because he he was a St. Helens player. And he said he was come back to Australia because of family reasons. And then he's here, he's here for the year, basically. And then he's going back over to England. So they were all like, well, how was, and that's like, oh, jeez, you're getting upset about Kevin Nguama? Like, come on now. Um, Lachlan Lamb will be a loss to the Roosters because he was good for depth at that club. Yeah, well, it says he's going to be, like, he's been, looks like he's released
2: um, immediately because he's going to be, playing at Lee for the rest of this year and for next year. Yeah. Um, and he's old man's coaching Lee at the moment.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. There you go. Um, And then uh, Matt Dafty got an immediate release as well. And I kept on seeing headlines about Matt Dafty where it was like you either love me or hate me. And it's like that's not the way you want to leave with that sentiment being out there that you either love him or hate him. It's like Dude, what are you doing? Yeah,
2: he's he's going to Warrington, and Josh McGuire will be leaving the Dragons. The he too is going to Warrington.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so the Wolves, um, pick up a few. Well, I mean, they'll be superstars over there. They will. Would you say that they're going to win the title next year? I, well, if I I
1: think this is their year, personally. It looks like they're on. <laughs> I actually saw one of the English journalists with Maguire and they framed it as uh, uh, international, Australian international, and state of origin star joins Warrington, and and I retweeted it and said like that's one way to put it. Another way is like a completely finished career. He's had a like he's, it's done, you know. It's, it's kind of he's not the sort of player I would get as a international signing, put it that way.
2: No, that's, that's very true. Um, yeah, now maybe this could be something we can do for an episode in, in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going through the Tiger squad. Yes. And looking at who they've got signed on for next year. Mm Mm-hmm what gaps they've got. So I'm not thinking about doing a hypothetical of who they should get rid of. I'm not even looking at that yet. Just looking at who they've got signed for next year, Mm -hmm. how many spots are available on that side, and then going through and finding out what's available that they could use, you know, that they could go and sign to try and improve the squad. Yeah. And um, let's just say, I'm not looking forward to 2023 that much. (laughs) Yeah. It, That's something it, we can look into later on, because I'd like to do that for all the clubs. Yeah. And see see if some clubs can be further enhanced or whether some clubs might drop back. Who knows? That might be a bit of an insight for,
1: uh, you know, Palmer Bet for next year. Yeah, that would be cool. That'd be Oops. really cool. I wonder, I guess they... I think that the markets for the following season go up pretty quickly after the grand final. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So... It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out because obviously the the final series this year plays a big part of it, and you see who gets better, who gets worse, things like that. Um, what do you think about the Melbourne Storm at the moment?
2: Um, I mean, geez, they've been hit hard with injuries. There's they, only one <laughs> team every year that just gets absolutely smashed with injuries more than everybody else, and this year it just looks like it's Melbourne.
1: Yeah, but still, they don't, they, they feel very, very un Melbourne like, don't they? Yeah. They're,
2: I mean, the worst thing for them is they cop so many injuries at the same time that Origin was on when they lost a whole heap of other players as well. Mm-hmm. And so all those combinations they had before Origin started are all completely changing every single week. And now that Origin's over and they've got their, you know, whatever players they've got left out of fit, they're all different combinations that they've got to build all over again.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so they're kind of starting the season from scratch. And... When with a lot of different players, a lot of different roles, it's it's a very hard thing to do, especially when so many of their, um you know players that they're trying to work with are in the spine, especially Pappenhausen being
1: out of, with that horribly fractured kneecap. Have you seen the picture of that? Oh, it was it was a I mean it was the worst case scenario. Yeah, I, he's he's his career is going to be changed by that. So
2: the general physio did a, a long thread today about. Um, what sort of surgery is going to need? What they're going to do to fix his kneecap? And you know, went on to you go and find it on Twitter. It's very, very good reading. Um, very, very thorough as well. And he compares it to the fractured kneecap that Tedesco had when he was at the Tigers. He had a knee clash, very similar um, impact with uh, I think it was Terry Campese at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was knee on knee, and Tedesco split his kneecap right down the middle. But it was only one fracture. Mm-hmm. The one that Papnauzer's has got has got 10. It's like a smashed uh, plate. Yeah, and I looked at it and I went, that thing doesn't need pins and stuff in it. It just needs a shit ton of tape. <laughs> just wrap it up with tape and stick it back on. She'll be all right, mate. I, I looked at it and thought, fucking walk it off. Yeah, how, do you, how do you fix that? Seriously, God damn. <laughs> it's all about putting pins in there to hold all back together and hope that the... Well, not hope. The bone will eventually all meld back together and be strong again. And the chances of re-injury, because it's such a – it's a freak accident that causes it. Yeah. Which makes it a, a very rare um, thing to actually have happen ever again in your life, really. Um, and the chance of coming back to full fitness is very high. Um, Tedesco is a good example of it. Um, so he will come back. He will get back to full fitness. The problem he's going to have, you know, is that once he does retire, and maybe before he retires, um, if, you know, and you know, touch wood, he does have a long career, um, he's very strong chance of getting arthritis in his knee. And it could happen earlier than what most people would get because the ligament damage behind it is intense. So that's yeah. going to cause a lot of joint problems for him.
1: Yeah, the, th- the thing uh, – I mean, it's only a small bone, but it's uh, – so much is attached to it, and so much of your knee mechanism uh, is around your kneecap. It, mm. it sounds silly, but it really is. That's why we have kneecaps. Um, I just – I really do. I hope he gets back from it and is the same player because he's a fantastic player when he plays, and I, I, it's just – it's the worst-case scenario for him. And the thing is, too, that's really strange is that and kept running. <laughs> like, they clashed knees. Yeah. One guy's season's over, and his worst-case scenario, you know, knee um, being smashed, and the other guy keeps scrambling for more yardage and is fine. Uh, it, it's weird. It's kind of like head clashes. It's You can see two guys in a head clash, and one guy sort of gets up and runs back in the line, and the other guy has been switched off. Yeah, and it's just just luck of the draw, or you know, that the really opposite is. of that, whatever it is. Yeah. Um. Just on that, uh, Callan Ponga got a head knock. Mm. Talk. He will be out for the rest of the year with it. I would dare say that leading into this head knock, he'd had, he'd had the head knocks, but it wasn't something that you would be concerned about. Um. Now it's a real concern because he's had a few of these now. They've been bad, and now the the thought of keeping him out for the rest of the year, which is understandable because the Knights aren't going anywhere, but it's uh they just invested a lot of money in him, and I know that that's one of the back burner questions. You're just worried about his health first up, but, man, he's got incentive to keep playing on. They've got incentive to get him back out in the football field. There's a lot going on in that.
2: I wonder if it's worthwhile thinking about moving him to 5 5.8. He doesn't have to do the kick returns. Um, he doesn't have to do so much of the one-on-one tackling, especially of players who are running at full pace while he's standing still, because that's not going to help trying to avoid um, concussions for someone who's had a few already. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to just move him to 6, where he's still going to have a bit of time. He's not going to be first receiver. Um whether that's an idea that they could think about looking at. He's done it before already. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was where his long-term future was going to be as well. Um, Maybe this could be the opportunity to to give that a go. You can hide him behind some props as well in the middle of the field. That's not hard to do. Every team does it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um, I I agree. And we've talked about – He's get he gets bashed up as a fullback, and when you look at a lot of modern day fullbacks, they're um, pretty big, solid dudes, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, it's and he just he gets bashed back there, and it you know I know we've talked about this before. I, I agree with you. I think he should be moved up to 5.8 because he's just not going to take that same punishment. Funnily enough. No, that's right. It's
2: it's. The long-term future for him, I think, is, is to move out there. And as I said, you can hide him anywhere. Not, he's not a poor defender, not, not, in, not in the slightest. No. But um, when you're at fullback, most of the tackles, you're going to make are one-on-one, and you will be going around someone's legs or up around their chest area to try and either stop them from offloading the ball or try and stop them running. And those are the two areas where um, if you don't get that technically correct, you will get fucked up. Mm-hmm. You see, a lot of people going low around the around the hips. If they're going literally around the hips, more often than not, if the ball carrier turns a little bit or leads a little bit longer with their um their knee that you know their leg that's off the ground, they can bump you off and hit you pretty hard around the head. And we see a lot of players going around that hip region and just bump out of it and get knocked out. Yeah, you've got to go a little bit lower so you're not collecting that really hard part of the body. Um, that's a hard to do when someone's coming at you at top speed and you're standing still. Uh, the other one is up around the ball. You can get fended off, pushed over backwards, and you have that whiplash effect when you hit it to the ground. That's a bad one. Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation, man. So moving him to six, it's just a bit easy. He's going to be defending more in towards the middle of the field in the defensive line. And he's gonna have a forward either side of him taking the initial impact, and he's just gotta help wrap the ball up and get the play out of the ground, that sort of stuff. Um, it would make sense for me, I think, to do that. You can prolong his career, get the maximum out of him as a ball player, and look after him at the same time.
1: Yeah, and, and they've look, they've invested in him for a long time mm-hmm. now. Like they those two, you know, parties are are wedded. And they need to consider what is going to make that marriage work for the the rest of the term of his contract. And I just think that I, I I watch a dude that he's very athletic, but he's he's getting worn down playing fullback. And I just can't imagine it's going to be any worse playing at five eight. Um, you would hope they don't have to move him out to the centers because all of a sudden you're playing a paying a million dollars plus for a guy that can't play fullback and has mm. to play in the centres, that's just not on. So, um, uh, you hate to see great players like Ponga and and off the field because they're so much fun to watch. That's right, yeah. Um,
2: I've got a question for you about two players that are off contract at the Sharks. Okay. And which clubs you think uh, should sign them or whether they should be re-signed at all? Mm-hmm. Andrew Fafita,
1: Wade Graham. It is so interesting you ask me this question because I was watching them the entire Panthers game thinking about their futures. I think that, I think Andrew Fafita, it's hard because at the very least he's a big dude, you know. And he's always had a great motor on him. Like he's got, he's a weirdly got good cardio for a big dude. So if, if you go to Andrew for feeder and you say, look, Andrew, the days of you being a bit of a ball player and playing wider and stuff, they're over. We feel as though you can come off the bench and give us 20 minutes up the guts. If he's all in on that, I can see where you can sign him, not on a massive contract, but you know, he's still playing for the sharks. I can see that way. Graham, I think it might be time for the Sharks to move on from him because I think that uh, when I watch him play, I just, it's one of those weird things where it just feels as though things aren't going right for him. You know, I I don't watch him and think that he's, he's missing tackles and all this sort of stuff. I just see when he plays the game, maybe he's, it's that weird thing of like, he's trying so hard that, and maybe that's because he's missing a step athletically. So he's trying to make up for that in other ways. And so he's, he's given away penalties and, you know, things like that. And I, I wonder if it's time for the Sharks to move towards a different option for him, but I I can see where Fafida needs to drop a little bit of weight. There's no doubt about that. If he's able to drop that weight because he's deal- there were so many injuries, terrible injuries too. Yeah. Um if 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 Fafita feels as though he can get his weight down a little bit and he can take up a new role, I could see where you'd keep him, but Graham, I think I'd move on from. What do you think?
2: I'm I'm still not sure. Um Fafida is definitely a bench rotation forward now. That's that's all that's all he is now. Yeah, um, I'm not saying that dismissively. He's a very, very handy bloke to have on the bench. Mm. Um, yeah, big runs, hard to tackle, um, and has such good hands for a forward, mm. especially a prop. Just insane. Um, but yeah, as you said, if you get him just going forward, um, and he, he does have a reasonably good play, the ball on him for a big bloke too. Yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's usually pretty quick because of the size of him teams can't roll him over too often, so he, he'll fall forward, so it means he's getting up, already facing the right way, he just plays the ball straight away um, so I still think someone will pick him up and he'll get a few more seasons out of him, why Graham, the only thing that worries me about him is just the, the head knocks that he's had mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the only concern, I think he's still got the skill and all that sort of stuff and the desire and the drive, but Um, the head knocks is just that it's a bit of a concern. He had a few, understandably, most of them were high impact ones. He hasn't had one that came about because it was a bit gentle, like um, what uh, Boy Cordner had. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they've all been high impact ones, but the problem is there's been a lot of them. Yeah, um, a lot. There's been too many of them. I'll say, I'll put it that way. There's been too many of them. Um, and so that immediately makes you just worry, you know, you're probably only one more away from them being very easy to get. Um, and you don't want to have that risk for a bloke who's playing in the second row and plays
1: as hard as he does.
0: Especially yeah, he
1: throws road. himself in. Like, yeah. that's the thing too. It's uh, Boyd Cordner wasn't someone that was coming up to smash you every time. Um, Graham is trying to smash you every time. and. Yeah. He's
2: out there sending a message to every forward, uh, every playmaker mm. and every strike attacking weapon that's in the team that don't think that you're going to be able to have the space you want to do stuff because I'm going to be on your ass. And he only needs to hit him once or twice a game and they automatically get tentative and they look around for him. And he knows that. Mm. So he always tries to get out those one or two big hits per game just to keep them thinking and guessing and wondering where he is. And that's a... It's a good skill and a good ability to have that he's he's able to do that. He's got such good line speed, such good movement on the on the line as well. Um, and yeah, I've got massive wraps on him. I, I love him as a player, but I'd be very very tentative about signing him for anything more than a season at a time, just because of the head knocks thing. That's the only reason why.
1: Yeah, I get that. I get that. It, and it's at some point because the sharks are trying to build something. At some point, you've got to start looking towards the future and, and, y- you know, you can't keep guys around forever. Um, and it sucks, you know, it really sucks. But at some point, you've got to make those hard decisions. And it's, it's really interesting because I was watching both those guys thinking, like, they're going to be decisions that have to be made. Um, and it, it, you look, you could go either way on them and I wouldn't I wouldn't get stuck into the Sharks over it. And look, no. they, they they re-signed Moylan um, last year on a short-term deal, and I was like, they are kidding themselves. Why are they doing that? Moylan's playing some pretty damn good footy. Yes, he, so, I
2: believe, too, I um, heard around the traps that he's taken some pretty sizable pay cuts as well to stay there. So he's not playing mm-hmm. for the money. He's on quite a small contract these days.
1: I'll tell you what, he's whatever he's on. It's it's been worth it. He's been all right. You yeah, know? I, this is the thing. I think he's one of those guys that when he's on the
2: big money, he starts thinking I've got to produce the big plays, and he overplays his hand a lot. But when he's on that that smaller coin, I don't think he he thinks that he has to be this playmaker, has to create everything all the time, and has worked so much better for his game. Um, as I. Maybe maybe some players get pressured like that by the amount of money
1: they've got and think that I need to be performing to justify yep. this pay packet. Yeah, I, I reckon so. And I also think that for a player like him, um, he, he's felt like he had to do things and it's, it's meant that he's made a lot of mistakes and things like that. Whereas now Hines has come into the side and Hines is doing things that are working as a young yeah. halfback. And I think that it allows Moylan to sort of take a step back from doing those things and just settle the play a lot. And, you know, that's all he needs to do. And that combination is working really, really well, which is I would have never have thought it would have been a good combination of those two together. Um, but, you know, they're getting the results. It's It's been really interesting to watch. Yeah, it has been. They're kind of
2: really unique brand of footy too. Like most teams are doing the same sort of things all the time. The Sharks are playing just something a bit off the cuff about them. It's just, it's a bit hit and miss sometimes, but when it's on um, they're entertaining to
1: watch. I wouldn't be shocked if they were, uh, they made the second last weekend of the season. Um, I like it. I, I put them down to do one
2: of the last four teams left in the comp.
1: Yeah. I think that I mean, obviously the Panthers are above everyone right now. I still wouldn't ride off the Storm. I think the Queens, uh, North Queensland Cowboys, are going to be hard to beat, especially if they've got everyone on deck. And then after that, it's a little bit of a race when well, I mean, a lot of South,
2: South have kind of come into the the conversation a bit now. I think.
1: Yeah, the thing about Souths that I just think that their depth in the forwards concerns me. And, yeah, true. And, and the other thing is that. Is Luttrell going to be there? Because he hasn't been there for many different reasons when the whips are cracking. Um, tell you what, actually, before you go on, um, watching Luttrell on the weekend,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, I'd him down as man of the match for that game, and he looked like he was doing it in second gear. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a freak. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think he's at full match fitness yet, and yet he's able to just... This game is my bitch
0: yeah yeah Pretty much
1: and, and the thing is too he's he's a giant and i know mm. i 've said it on the podcast before, but its shock him when you see him in real life how big he actually is to compared to the other players um, and yeah he's he's one of those players that uh it 's almost like you've put in a cheat code and put a player up to ninety nine on all of his stats for some plays where he's or he's the biggest and fastest and strongest on the field. And it really does remind you of Greg Inglis a lot. Um, and, and on top of that, Latrell's the villain as well, which is really cool to watch. So um, he's one of the few players in the competition that could win a game on his own, hey? Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
1: he's just brilliant to watch. He really is. we got a couple of emails. Should we go through them? We should. Why not? Okay, so the first email we've got is from Chris, and the subject is Origin Hatred. And he says, I'm 23 years old. My childhood was spent watching New South Wales getting pumped by Queensland for all those years while we had barely a glimmer of hope. I hate Queensland with all my soul. Truly. Right on, Chris. Kindred spirit there, Chris. As a fan, I would love to see these modern players Many who are my age tell us about how bad it was during that time. It seems like Freddie has forgotten those years, and maybe that's why our team lacks hatred and desperation. Queensland players, meanwhile, still have PTSD over origin rules before 1980. Freddie is just too nice of a bloke. That's his email. Yeah, look, this whole, you know,
2: Queensland gets origin thing. And people arguing that, you know, New South Wales gets it as much as well. Um, I don't think people realise, they've not properly looked at why this whole thing about Queensland getting origin more than New South Wales is a thing. Hmm. Okay. Before origin came along, Queensland, you could put this to any sort of, you know, thing that's been oppressed, people in a country, whatever, Okay. Queensland had all of their best players taken from them because the best place to play football for a long time, up until the the local Queensland competition actually got up to speed with the Sydney one. You had to go to Sydney if you wanted to get seen, if you wanted to get, you know, better money to play the game, all sort of stuff, all those opportunities, you go to Sydney and the system in place was you played for the state that you were currently playing in. Yeah, it was a residency rule. That's exactly right. And so, New South Wales would be trotting out these teams that had Queensland players in them, and these players would then be out there bashing the living shit out of Queensland and flogging the ass off them. And Queensland was just constantly being flogged, not just by New South Wales, but their own men, their own Queenslanders. They were, you know, the rules were against them in that sense. They, they were, they were the downtrodden and the constantly they were constant underdogs. That's. That's where that passion comes from. They hated the fact that they were being beaten by their own men. They hated the fact that they were being beaten by New South Wales, whereas New South Wales, they didn't have that hatred. The passion wasn't there. You want a a better example? Look at city versus country. For so long, city just flogged country all the time, and you'd hear even up until they got rid of it a few years ago, what's the point of this? And that's how New South Wales approached interstate games for a while there. Why Mm -hmm. do we bother with this? It's pointless. Mm -hmm. And so the game meant nothing to them. And that's why, that is why Queensland gets origin, because it means something to them, because they were getting flogged and they hated it. And that emotion, that comes from that hatred of being beaten all the time by their own men, by the other state. New South Wales didn't have any emotion in it because it was a walk in the park for them. So they didn't get emotionally invested. They just went, like, oh, here's a trial match to play for Australia or something like that, and here's just something we do. And there was less emotion in it for them. And I believe that that is a huge reason as to why Queensland has that, has always had that passion in the interstate, interstate game, and New South Wales has lacked it. Now, I'm not saying that New South Wales still has that lack, I think, to some degree, they started to get a brief understanding of what it was like to be Queensland for, you know, 70 years in that period when Queensland won, what was it, 11 straight Origin Series or whatever it was. I think it was eight in a row. Eight in a row. And they had, was it 11 of 12? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, New South Wales players, fans, officials, lots of stuff, they started to get an idea of what it was like to be Queensland, except Queensland had that happen from 1908 up until 19... eighty basically there was a small period in the twenties where Queensland were the better side. Um but that was pretty much it. That's where it comes from for
1: me. See I I got it I have a different perspective on it. I think everything you've said is valid by the way. I'm not saying that's wrong. It's valid. Um but I tend to think that um Queensland's a passionate, more passionate team when they win the series. <laughs> And then New South Wales has discovered the passion when they've won the series. And I tend to think it goes that way, and that the vast majority of State of origin (laughs) series are won by the more talented team. And it's not often that the less talented team wins a series. Um, I think that New South Wales and Queensland in this series was really evenly matched. I said that going into the first game. So... Um, I think that this was a 50-50 series and Queensland won it, you know? Someone's got to yeah. win it. But right. I, I, I just think that it, for the most part it comes down to talent and I think that, that when they went on their run Queensland were just by far and away the more talented side. Like, that's what it comes down to. And before that, the teams were very even for talent for a very long time. Uh, New South Wales probably had more talent in the 90s and I think that that shows in their record in the 90s and then that flipped over in a massive way for Queensland when they won all them series in a row but and I think it's much more even now but yeah I tend to think that the the passion argument you know just gets used by whoever wins the series if New South Wales had won this series and they could have won it very easily I'm sure they would have been all going around saying yeah we got something special here we won a few series in a row now oh, it's the the passion we're all brothers we're blues brothers and shit like that yeah. So I, I I tend to not pay attention to that stuff. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way I look at it. That's fair enough. You know, if, if New South Wales in the next 10 years trotted out a team that was far, far superior to Queensland, it wouldn't matter how passionate Queensland was about State of Origin, they still wouldn't beat a far better New South Wales team most of the time. Um, but anyway, that's my thoughts on it. Um, we also got another anyway, thank you, Chris, for your email. We love emails um we've got an email here from Newi Ash who hasn't emailed us for a while. hey eh? He said I was just thinking about Big Tino and the menace he has become for opposition packs, and something occurred to me. Samoa are a world Cup dark horse. Have a look at this Samoan seventeen and let me know what you think. The only player from the seventeen. They may not get his Payne Haas if he chooses the mighty Kangaroos. And he says, Meninga, I'm going to need him. Uh, Meninga is going to need him. Um, In which case, Jaden Sewer comes onto the bench and Junior Paulo starts. So he's got Crichton at fullback, uh, May and Toto on the wings, um, Taigo and Tabudai Fidal in the centres. He's got Luai at 5'8", Milford or Harris Tevita in the halves, Papali and Haas up front, um Jasta Vunga at Hookah, Kafusi and Nanoi in the back row with Tino fasimala Aui. It's the first time I've said his name properly on the podcast. Brilliant. And then he's got Shoestar Junior Paulo, um Tapau and uh Lulawai in the on the bench. And then he said extended by uh, he's got an extended squad players. He's got Jaden Sewer in there. Uh, Spencer uh Shipley's in there, uh, Herman Sasa, Jackson Paulo. Like, they've got a lot of talent. Damon not, uh, David Norfoluma, Charlie Staines, Ronald Volkman. Like, they do have talent. I don't think talent's ever been their problem. It's been coaching and, and a really poor environment when they get together. And it's not the players. I'm not saying the players get together and create it. I just think that the setup they have is not as good as other teams. Mm. Is, does Paint
2: qualify as Samoan?
1: Well, we know he qualifies for the Philippines.
2: Yeah, his brothers played for the Philippines.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know one hundred percent about Samoa. I think he does, but I don't know
0: one hundred percent. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, look, it's not, it's look, it's not a bad squad. The one thing that Samoa struggled with on the field has been a good spine and scoring points. Mm. That's been a big issue. but That squad should be able to do it. They are a dark horse.
1: Yeah, definitely. No about it. Look, if they played to their potential, you'd put them right there with Tonga, but they just never played to their potential, unfortunately. Well, they need Matty Johns coach them, don't they? <laughs> yeah, him and his brother. <laughs> who, who put that forward? Oh, him and his brother. <laughs> Imagine my surprise. Imagine, I, I'm surprised Tim Sheens hasn't done a review of their coaching staff. Eh? Shh. fuck man he might hear you did you find it was weird that the Tigers on the weekend their assistant the assistant who was given the job you know wasn't there because of COVID in the week that Tim Sheen said he would take more control and he wasn't there because of COVID as well so the, the the interim coach was replaced by an interim interim coach yeah, it's uh, it's a debacle.
2: Yeah, but I yeah. mean, what do you expect if you want a debacle? Where do you go? Exactly.
1: Go to the are
2: us. <laughs> you go, go to
1: to West, West Tigers territory, right in the heart of Concord. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No one knows where that is. <laughs> um, Andrew, if I was going to get the most up to date. And complete rugby league statistical records on planet Earth. Where would I go?
2: Well, I've I've done some research on this question, and the, I just stopped at uh, rugbyleagueproject.org I figured oh, that was that was good enough.
1: That's interesting. Do you know anything about this website called rugbyleague.org dot rugby yeah. po- Sorry,
2: they're pretty pretty thorough,
1: and uh,
2: got some. I'd have to say, possibly the greatest team of uh owners and contributors there um on earth to be honest in any in any form of research whatsoever none better
1: I heard there's a guy called Sean there that is an absolute taskmaster. Man, he's a genius. Mm.
2: He takes he takes wizardry mm-hmm. and he makes that shit he takes that unreal wizardry and makes it real
1: any I, did, ed- I just try and get that stupid NRL fucking slogan in there somehow? <laughs> <laughs> uh, stuff to do with scripts, uh, HTML. Uh, oh, mate, he's all over it. I don't know what any of that means. Neither do I. <laughs> he's, he's got it
2: sorted, though. He knows all about it. Uh, Login. Yeah. Um, Submit form. Right click. Uh, URLs. Mate, he's tab, all over that stuff. Tabs. Uh, yeah. Do follow. Email. Email. URLs. Web address. Copyright um, 19,
1: 2019. Um, Google, I think he does
2: something with Google. I don't know. Web- Wikipedia. Um, Keyboard. probably post probably. Spacebar. The mouse. He's got click and double click going. He's got all that sorted. Printer. Yeah, bloke's a genius.
1: Yeah, he sounds really smart.
2: Too smart but, for me, mate. I just yeah. I just do research and and put, and press buttons on his on his website, and it's fantastic.
1: As Sean calls it, the dog work. <laughs> the dog work.
2: Well, as I've always said and I've always seen that uh, I am his minion. Um, <laughs> I'm just his 2IC. but uh, now nah, he's he's an absolute legend. That bloke. Yeah. We should we should all follow him on Twitter. He doesn't have very many Twitter followers. We yeah,
0: all I follow, follow him
2: on
1: Twitter. I follow him on Twitter. What's his what's his username on Twitter? At Azkatro. A Z K A T R O. There you go. Go
2: following people.
0: Yeah, he's a good follow.
1: Um, I, I started a website. Hey, you started one. Yeah, I started one. Um, do do tell. I started it, and I think people will like it. I started it in two thousand four. Um,
2: hang on, hang on. Just ch- just checking my watch here. Yeah, that was a little while ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's been around for a while. Uh, I, I write about football on it. I put up funny lookalikes on it. I have some fantasy teams on it. I post the podcast episodes on it, and it's really good. And it's if you put into like your address bar, you put in like com, it comes up. Nice. Did Sean set that up for you? It, no, no. I, I, I kind of, I kind of did most of it myself. Hey. And you're like just, a sub genius. A sub
2: genius. <laughs> oh yeah, Sean's, backhanded. Sean's at the genius level. Yeah, the next level down from that.
1: That's a, that's a real hard backhanded comment. Uh, but like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
2: You know, it's it's not just a backhanded comment. I've kind of, it's kind of a. a a backhand holding a few house bricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: started out sounding like, oh, yeah, that's not too bad. Just don't sit down and went, no, no,
2: that just sounded like I called him shit. <laughs>
1: that's like the backhand you get from Lyoto Machida when you're in the middle of the octagon. It's like, fuck, man. Come, just pump the brakes. I'm trying to yeah. pump myself up here. But yeah. yeah it's- you get backhanded, your jaw gets broken, your face is completely destroyed. He looks down at and he says, Sorry about that. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. fucking end up unconscious. Um, Yeah, so it's a website uh, I created and, and, and I made and I wrote on. And it's obviously today it has your wonderful piece on there. I'm always very happy. To, and it's funny, like I've been uh, hosting pieces you've written for the website for many, many years now before we'd even talked. And imagine if we would have known all those years later that, we would create this uh, giant media organisation of ours.
2: Conglomerate, even.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: We need to we need to create a conglomerate.
1: Fluffy Hoodie Studios.
2: There we go, job done. Someone yeah. needs to do all the... We've come up with all the ideas. Someone just needs to be a manager and just do all of the actual work, and we just sit there and just be the talent.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we've got the interns, but... You know well, sh-
2: it's basically shit.
1: They really are. They don't yeah. do enough for us, really. No. But
2: uh yeah. Thankfully that contract ends soon, doesn't it? We can just give them all back to the zoo.
1: Well yeah, I mean it's uh I guess technically we could terminate them any time we want, but then you gotta drive somewhere and dig a fucking hole and it's like, oh man, again. It's a mess. Yeah, it's just do I don't like doing it. It's like you you know. Too much manual
2: labour involved.
1: Well, you know, you do it once, shame on you. You do it, you know, 13 times, shame on me. I just exactly in consign- it.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah manual labour. I do enough of that every week. I don't need to do it in my spare time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've seen <sighs> those manual labour. It looks fuck.
2: <laughs> it's like sweating and stuff.
1: Yeah. There you go. Prince um, Andrew can't sweat, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, oh,
0: that
1: turned out
2: nowhere. Yeah. Um, what else has been going on? Have we covered everything?
1: We've, we've covered done. pretty much everything else. We'll we'll, we'll do some more podcasts uh, during the week. We've got our our preview episode that we've got coming up. Um, so we'll get that out and then we'll cover some more subjects that I know people want to hear us talk about as well.
2: That's fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Alrighty.
2: Um, thanks for tuning everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials on Instagram and Twitter at Fergo Freak pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, MySpace. like subscribe, follow, do all of that. Please, uh, share us around your socials. That would be brilliant. And, uh, we'll catch us all in probably 24 hours time, I guess.
1: Download our app today and enjoy Tackle Busting Benefits with great odds, more markets and same game multi every NRL match
0: at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call one 858 858